Thank you, Lord. Thank you. There is nothing better than you. And you can turn graves into gardens. We thank you, Lord. We thank you on this wonderful day that we can come to you and we can praise you and we can turn to you and we can hear from you. So, Lord, as we open our hearts to you this morning, will you open our ears so we can hear your message? Thank you, Lord. And thank you that there is nothing better than you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. Welcome to church. Take a seat. Welcome to Mother's Day. And if you're a mum that's still at home, lucky you. If you're online, if you're a mum that's here, good on you. I hope you enjoyed the soggy toast and the weak tea and the horrible coffee. No, I'm sure your family got it absolutely perfect. though. would be nothing like me or my kids. Um, But I thought, what a great picture of what we bring to God. Like, we bring it with our whole heart, and we mean well, and we do the best we can, and I'm sure he's like a loving mother, and he sort of goes, oh, sweetheart, that's beautiful, thank you so much. Um, When yeah, (laughs) we know. So, welcome. It's great to have you here with us. If you're visiting today, a special welcome. Um, We hope you feel at home, get to meet some people and hang around afterwards if you can. Although we realise on Mother's Day that people have got commitments and they'll be rushing off to meet mums all over the place. Don't forget to fill in a Connect card or a Next Step card, which are online or on the Church Centre app, if you want to let us know anything or you're wondering about what your next step is to take. And take some time now, flick out your phone and check in to let us know you're here online today. And that's how we can um, just make sure that we're looking after you as part of our family. So feel free, I won't think you're rude if you pull your phone out, that's okay. Offering-wise, if you still like to give with cash, which some people still do, we have our little container up the back there. Otherwise, online details are on the Church Centre app or on the website, um, because if you're like me, I just carry my phone now and that's all I've got. So feel free to do that. Couple of announcements. Annual general meeting and team night is on the 10th of May. Let's see, it's the 8th today, so they'll make it Tuesday. Okay, it's 7 p.m. Now, if you think to yourself, oh, I'm not going out Tuesday night, that's great. Because if you want to come out, we'll be here meeting in person and we'll have our annual general meeting and our team night. But you can join in on Zoom. So there is absolutely no excuse for missing out. Isn't that wonderful news? So it'll be good. Team nights are open for everybody. It's not just, oh, you know, I'm not really on a team. Um, And same with the general meeting. Uh, Members get some different voting rights, but the general meeting is for everybody. If you come to church here regularly and you feel like, kind of, this is my home, this meeting is for you, it's so you can have a voice and you can have an opinion uh, and you can hear what's going on. So I'd really strongly encourage you, Come along in person if you can. It's always better to meet face-to-face. But if you can't, it will be on Zoom. Um, And I'm sure that the links will be up in the newsletter and they'll be on the website and on Church Centre app as well. The um, reports and the documents for the meeting, there's some hard copy of the reports out on the info desk. But if you'd like uh, something emailed to you, um, just let us know and we'll send that to you before the meeting. So Tuesday... Seven o'clock. All good? Excellent. 
another big thing is who likes morning tea? We all like morning tea. We like tea. We like cake. We like biscuits. Like, it's excellent. So, have we got the day for you? Biggest morning tea. Playgroup is running a biggest morning tea as a fundraiser for the Cancer Council. So, that's on the 13th. So, that'll be this Friday for those who are playing along. So, that'll be 9.30, not this Friday. Thank you. That's okay. She's like, it's my wife. I'm going to listen to her every time, whether she's right or wrong. 13th, so that's this Friday, 9.30am to 11. That'll be at church. Now, this is a great time, and it's a great fundraiser, yeah, absolutely. But it's a great time, if you're part of our family at church, if you can come along, to meet some of the playgroup families who aren't necessarily church people. And it's great for them to see that we don't have two heads, that we don't walk around with Bibles three foot thick that we're going to hit them with, that we're just normal people that like morning tea. So please come along and join in and make it a good time of fundraising and a good time of fellowship for that whole playgroup, family group. Uh, if you want to know more about it, contact Rachel or Pam for further details or just ask the church and we will let you know what's going on. So... It is Mother's Day, and I thought how apt that our sermon series at the moment is Heart for the House, because I kind of think mums are the heart of the house. And always with Mother's Day, there's this real tension, because there's mums who have families, and everything's great, and everything's a success, and they're surrounded by their kids, and that's great. But there's going to be people who have lost their mums. There's going to be people who didn't have that mum in their life. And there's all sorts of different situations. But when I think of Mother's Day, I don't think of necessarily a biological mum. I think of that person in people's lives who fulfil that role of a mother. And I think in our house here, in our family at Sale Baptist, I think there's lots of people who fulfil that role, that mum-like role. And they might be like an auntie. They might be someone who don't have their own kids. It might be an an older sister. It can even be single dads or older brothers or uncles that fulfil that loving, caring, mum-like role. So today, we're not just celebrating biological mums. We're celebrating those people in our lives that act in that caring, mum-like role. So if you've got people like that in your lives, remember them today. Get in touch with them today. Thank them for being there and filling that role for you. Uh, Let's just pray together. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for our mums. I thank you that you created this family unit as the way we do life. And I thank you that your church is like a big expression of that family. Lord, we celebrate... And we thank you uh, for the mums in our lives. And Lord, we thank you for those people who act like mums in our lives, who look out for us, who give us wisdom, who give us caution, who love us no matter what, and they're always there to support us. So Lord, just help us remember them, celebrate them and thank them today. And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God, we thank you that your name is powerful, that your name is above every name. God, we thank you that that we can stand in front of you, knowing everything that you are, that we are 
worthy to stand here today in front of you because of the work of Jesus. God, we thank you so much. God, I pray this morning that uh, you can speak through my faltering speech. That you can teach us something today that we can show us, that you can show us something about yourself. That we can learn a little about you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, take a seat. Thank you, team. That was amazing. We are so blessed in this church. So it's Mother's Day. Um, thank you. Uh, I'd just like to say that if you ask someone who's just lost their mum to speak on Mother's Day, you deserve everything you get. Um, anyway... Whew, this has been on the calendar since the beginning of the year and uh, I just think uh, it shows that God has a little sense of humour that he uh, designed for me to be speaking today. Anyway, I have one tissue but only one, so um, yeah, I think I'm going to be fine. So Mother's Day for me this year is bittersweet. It is sweet and I'll talk about that first. So uh, I have a beautiful family. I'm the mum to three beautiful adult children. I don't know how I got to have adult children all of a sudden, but anyway, that happens. Um, and I'm also the mum to some furry creatures and some feathered creatures. <laughs> so, <gasps> I'd just like to say... That dog is incoming. It's not quite here yet, but that is my dog. And no, we're not naming it Pongo. Anyway, I'd just like to say, my heart heals just a little bit every time I look at that little face. So I'm sharing him with you this morning. Um, so that's the sweet part of my life, right? I have these, these feathered creatures and these furry creatures and these beautiful adult children. And I know that I'm completely blessed. But it's also a bitter uh, time for me because I lost my mum. Many of you know um, that I had to go urgently to the UK just uh, less than two months ago. Um, so this is all quite new for me uh, because my mum was passing away, which she did do. And uh, just to add to that, the day that my mum passed away in England was Mother's Day there. Um, they have a different Mother's Day to us. So I spent the first half of the day having a mum and the second half not um, so mum passed away just a little bit before midday and I was with her when that happened and I'll always be grateful that I was there. And um, so then I sat with mum for a while afterwards and then it was time to go. And so I thought, what do I do now? And it wasn't one of those life questions like, what do I do for the rest of my life? It was literally this afternoon, right now, what am I supposed to do? I had no home to go to. I had nobody else there. I was just me. Everyone was busy doing Mother's Day things as they should have been, and the last thing they wanted was my unhappy little face sitting there looking at them. Everything was shut. It was a Sunday, and I just thought, like, physically, what am I supposed to do? Where can I go? I have no car. Everywhere I go, I'm walking there. Anyway, so I just headed off and I just I started walking and um, I walked a really long way and I really didn't have a clear idea where I was going. 
And I ended up at this park, which is the place where my mum and dad first met some 60-something years before. And it turned out to be the perfect thing to do for me. So I managed to find a little shop where you can buy tea, because you can always buy tea in England. And, uh, and so I sat on a park bench, surrounded by families, because it was a sunny day in England, enjoying Mother's Day with their families. And I just sat in this place. And it was a sweet time, like it wasn't, it didn't feel like a horribly sad time to me, it felt like a really sweet time as I kind of allowed my mum to leave me. So that's my little story about um, Mother's Day for me this year, so hopefully that isn't, hasn't put too much of a dampener on it. And it's not just gratuitous, I promise we will come back to this story, but we're going to park that for now and we'll come back to it. So this series that we're in is having a heart for the house. And what we're talking about today is believing that God can use you. So perhaps you can see where that story is going to start to come back in. Uh, So week one, Pastor Brad talked about the theology of the church. The whole series seems like a a bit of a why about the church to me. Um, And this week one, the theology of the church is uh, maybe a what and a why. So Pastor Brad talked about the love Jesus has for his church and as we imitate Christ, we must have that love for his church as well. The church has to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and then Pastor Brad went on to talk about all of the things that make up the church, the theology of the church. So ended up with a a bit of a challenge. How is your heart for the church? How is your heart for the house? And do you love it as Jesus loved his church? Week two was, uh, last week was about commitment, which seemed to me a bit of a how and why of the church. Um, So Pastor Brad shared that Hebrews 10 scripture that many of you will know about uh, committing to meeting together and encouraging one another. He talked about God's covenantal type of commitment. He doesn't change on this and neither should we. He talked about uh, how love leads to commitment And commitment leads to action as it did for Jesus. So why commit to the church? It's what Jesus calls us to do. And we need to be planted, not in a pot so that we can just easily be moved around, but we need to get our roots in so that it's good for us and good for those around us. And commitment is really what will hold you fast when those feelings of love ebb and flow, as they surely will. And that when uh, the love comes back for the church, that you're right there where you need to be. So this week it seems really personal, hopefully not just for me. Uh, This is like the who and why of church, whether God can use you uh, to be a part of his church. And just while I was preparing this over the last couple of weeks, it really felt like um, God was saying to me that people are held back from uh, being used by God for um, being able to really um, invest in the house uh, because we don't feel worthy sometimes. Maybe we don't feel good enough or maybe we're hurting like really bad. So back to that story about me. What was I supposed to do? Uh, This is only, I think it's six weeks ago today. Um, What was I supposed to do? Uh, Was I supposed to just stop doing everything that I normally do until I felt like me again? Or was there some walking out that I could do? So there's a few caveats in what I'm saying today and here's the first one. I am not saying that we should keep serving when we are completely empty 
or when we are massively hurting. We have to be in a safe place ourselves to be able to serve from because hurt people hurt people, don't they? Sometimes we actually do need to take time out and that is the thing uh, that is good for us and that will allow us to come back into a really good place of ministry again. Also, what I'm not saying is that, is that at that time, it was a really sad time for me, but it, I didn't have depression and I'm not equating my sadness with people who have clinical depression. I'm not saying that you just need to get on with it and you'll be fine. Very different, I understand that. But for me, serving is a part of my normal and is good for me too. And I'll explain about that as well. So um, I tried a few things. So in those first few days, I was like, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think that I have anything to give. But uh, there was a few work things that I, I sort of needed to do, little things, and I tried them. And I found that it felt good. Um, not in a way that was just like meeting all my needs, but it felt like it was life-giving to me, but it was also good for the church or for the ministry that I was doing something for. And I found like I wasn't serving on empty anyway. When I looked in my heart, it was still full. Surprising to me. People ask me how I'm doing and I say, I'm doing surprisingly well and it's surprising to me that I'm doing so well. Um, so how do you feel about being used by God? Lots of people here I know are um, investing themselves, making themselves available to God to be used by him in many, many ways. And many of you are serving in many ministries. Some of you may be too many ministries and really making a difference in the lives of those around you. But perhaps some people are thinking that they are too far from God, too sinful, don't know their Bible well enough, or just aren't up to God's standard in some way for him to be able to use them. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're feeling too broken. Maybe you feel like your family background is not good enough, like you can't, you can't be of use to God, whatever it is. So I'm going to make a bold statement now, and I can't, I just couldn't make it come out any different than this, so I'm going to say it. We must not dare to think that God can't use us. We must not dare. And I couldn't make that dare word go away. We must not dare. What I'm not saying, another caveat, I am not saying that we must not dare to serve. I'm not saying that if you're not serving, you don't love Jesus and you're not going to heaven. I am not saying that. But what I'm saying is that we must not dare to think that God can't use us. So why do I say it that way? I believe that when we think that way, that we are setting ourselves above God like a higher authority and saying that we know better than him. God says that he has given everything for us. He so loved us. And when he looks at us, he just sees Jesus. Who are we to say that his sacrifice was enough to pay for other people, but not for us. Our issue is bigger than that, and God can't forgive that. God can't mend that. He needs a, we need a bigger God than that. Who are we to say that? And that's why I think that we are on very dangerous ground if we do try and say that God can't use us. 
Now, we probably wouldn't ever say it out loud like that. And when you hear me say it, you just go, oh, tack, I don't think that. Uh, that is definitely, uh, that's wrong, and I don't think that. But that's often how we behave, isn't it? And that's, that's our thought life, um, secretly sometimes. That is how, how we think and how we behave. One of the people that I like to listen to, Tom Wright, speaks about this continuum that we are all on with maybe wretchedness at one end and complacency at the other. So the wretchedness on the one end is like saying uh, that absolutely nothing can redeem me. Um, it doesn't matter what God's done. He's done great things for other people, but he can't redeem me. I am beyond help. And the complacency on the other end is, is thinking that uh, God's done such an amazing job. He has given so much. It doesn't matter how I behave now. I can behave exactly how I please because God covered everything. And, and you actually do go out and behave like that. But in the middle of all that is, is an assurance that we are meant to live from. You know, there's that old hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. And many of you could probably break out into song when I say that. There is that assurance that Jesus has brought us back and he has done enough and we can live and serve from that and that is where we should live and serve from. So I've got a couple of scriptures to illustrate this. So the first is uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So that's talking about the complacency. If you think that you are rock solid, cannot be shaken, you are perhaps most... And there, that, there is that warning against feeling that way. And then uh, this is the assurance one. I haven't got a scripture for the wretchedness one, but it's probably got something about worms in it, right? Uh, so Romans 8, uh, potentially the whole thing, um, but for the sake of time, I've chosen verses 1 and 2 and then 38 and 39. It says this, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And then for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's everything, isn't it? I mean, it's complete. I saw this from Craig Groeschel during the week, and many of you will uh, be following him on uh, social media and I'd just like to say thanks Craig for leaning into my sermon this, this week. I really appreciate um, you backing me up. But anyway, he said this, if God didn't want to use you, the devil wouldn't be fighting so hard against you. And that's true, isn't it? Have you ever felt like that? Uh, sometimes you're on the brink of something. Uh, you see this sometimes when people um, are about to get baptised. Things will happen that kind of stops them, prevents them, um, slows them down. Something, Some opposition will come against you physically, in practical ways or in your thought life. And then, um, yeah, another, another thing, so you can go back and look at Craig Rochelle on um, social media and just look at all the times that he's backing me up last week. Um, and he says this, when the devil says God can't use you, you're a mess, shout back, I was a mess, but now I'm God's masterpiece. Use that, speak back to him. 
Paul asks this in 2 Corinthians. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. That's talking about the message that we have. And who is equal to such a task? In another version it says, who is sufficient for such things? Who's sufficient? Well, we're not, that's the answer. Paul goes on to answer his own question in the next chapter. Such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. It's not about us. It's not us that can do the work anyway. It's God. We can see so many examples in the Bible of this being true, and there are many more than these that you will probably think of. Um, God choosing ordinary people to achieve his extraordinary plan. He chose Moses. Moses was not eloquent, he argued with God, but he was chosen to speak and to lead. He chose Abraham to be the father of many nations, but he was elderly and had no children. He chose David, he was so ordinary, it says he looked ordinary, he was small, he was just ordinary. And he didn't always behave well, but God loved him and used him, even after he'd behaved badly. It wasn't a one-time, behave badly, you're out now. God could still use him. And then there was Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was so ordinary, but she was faithful and obedient, and that was all that God asked her to be. And notice how they all had this relationship with God. They all had an encounter with God, and they put their trust in him. You can probably think of other examples in your life. I have examples in my life of, of people who were, like, on paper, they were very ordinary but they put their faith and their trust in Jesus, in God, and he was able to do extraordinary things through them. Here's my favourite at the moment. The disciples. They were so very ordinary, and we hear in the Gospel stories of how Jesus found them, uh, who they were when he found them. But they were willing to follow Jesus, and they were available to him, and that was what he asked them to be. The gospel accounts tell repeatedly how ordinary they were, getting things so right sometimes and so wrong at others. Think of Peter. He was being commended by God for his insight in one moment and then in the next moment, God was, he, was, he was getting it so wrong that Jesus had to say to him, get behind me, Satan. Does this remind you of anyone? It reminds me of me. And perhaps it reminds you of you. Hopefully it doesn't remind you of me. <laughs> Not everyone. But hopefully, um, as it reminds me of me, it will remind you of you. God was still able to use his disciples, though. They were still part of his plan. But here's the big idea, and here's what I really want to, to focus on. These bordering on incompetent guys were able to be used by God to build the early church and spread the good news. And it's not because they were great and that they lived brilliant lives and never made a mess of things, because they definitely did. They went from being very ordinary to being these strong foundations of the church because they had experienced the resurrection of Jesus. They had a relationship with the risen Christ so much so, in fact, that many of them went on to become martyrs for their faith. They were prepared to die for what they now believed in. 
They could have recanted and said, oh, yeah, I was just, yeah, I'm not, not so sure about that. And they would have lived. But they didn't. They were absolutely 100% certain that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was God's son and that he had died and risen for them. They'd encountered him. It's the only thing that can account for that change that happened in them, that those ordinary guys went on to have a faith like that. It's the same for us. Only an experience of and relationship with the risen Jesus can affect this sort of change in us. Only the unconditional love, grace and mercy of God can make us able to stand and worthy to be used by him. We've just started Alpha at Yarram. Um, I love Alpha. If you want to know anything about Alpha, if you want to get excited about something, come and talk to me about Alpha. And we have a little crew happening down there. Um, during, the, during the course, during uh, the Alpha talks, we're introduced to so many people whose lives have been transformed by encountering Jesus. And I'm going to let you meet one of them right now. And nothing else can account for the change that happens in their life than that they met Jesus. So this is uh, who I like to call the tough guy. Um, is that ready to go? So I'll just I'll let him tell you his little part of the story where he encounters Jesus, and then we'll come back. Basically, and I, I just was going from prison to prison, prison to prison, but then I ended up going to Long Larton in Worcestershire. And when I was in there, I ended up going in an Alpha course. Never heard of an Alpha course. Didn't know anything. And I just remember walking in because it sent me down. I sat down on a chair. And I thought, oh, no, it's a Christian thing. And we'd just go there every week, and I would argue. And the pastor, um, I remember he come to me. He said, right, I'm going to say a few scriptures first before we pray. And one of them was, no one's righteous, not one. We all fall short of the glory of God. And then he said the verses about Jesus and explained a bit why he died on the cross for sinners and stuff. And then he said, pray. So I started praying, and I said, uh, God, I said, God, if you're real, come into my life, because I hate who I am. And nothing happened. But then, as I was talking to the pastor, I started to feel this energy feeling in my stomach. And it started to raise up and raise up and raise up and raise up. And I just broke out into uncontrollable um, tears. And I just sobbed, and I just, right there. Because that was a change in my whole life. I knew God was real, um, and no one will change that now. And then I remember <laughs> running on the wing. People clearly knew that I would become a Christian. So I actually helped them on another two Alpha courses. And then I, um, I got released. I've been in a prison where I... Because you would have thought that the prison where I stopped the prison officers would have been the last prison to have me. But they were the first. That's how God works. The best thing for me is going in prisons and helping the lads in prison and, and trying to tell them about God. I've got five kids and then my life. Um, and what upsets me is because now I know... Um, that back then, if I had the kids, uh, they wouldn't have had a good upbringing. And now they sit on the night and have Bible studies with their dad. Um, 
have Bible studies with her dad, have a life, they're beautiful, um, and my life, and this probably is my wife and my kids are the best gift, that, apart from the grace God's given me, is the best gift I've ever, he'll ever give me. Um, Didn't expect to cry like that. Recovered now. Uh, I've lost count of the number of times I've seen that, but it gets me every single time. That is real what happened to that guy. Um, he was in prison for some of the worst reasons and uh, prison wasn't working for him. It was making him worse. It was making him angrier. And, um, yeah, you can hear that he stabbed prison guards, uh, which is not a great idea. But that change that happened in that guy and, um, yeah, remember that. Um, that was real change for him and just you can see him reflecting on his life now and what, it, what he has and for a guy like that to be sitting there talking about the grace of God in his life, um, this is real. So that total transformation is absolutely possible and let's not dare think otherwise. So how are you feeling about maybe being used by God? Do you think he can use you? We're not asking anyone to be a martyr and you may not have that radical kind of change uh, that's necessary in your life. Um, serving in, in, as part of a, a church, leaning into the house is going to be um, perhaps, perhaps easier than what that guy had to go through. And um, yeah... I focused a lot today on whether we feel worthy, but maybe you feel too something, too old, too young, too busy, too distracted, too physically unable, whatever it is. Or maybe you think that the thing that you can do is not particularly exciting or it's not going to change anyone's life, the ministry that you do. We have people around uh, as part of the church who... who um, they spray for weeds when no one's here so that the church looks good. They spend hours mowing, like the, the grass does not mow itself. There's people out here during the week doing that. We have cleaning teams that kind of uh, make, make the church look good for when people come in, that presents well. And those are just like the physical things. We have people leading small groups and investing into people's lives. Just so many ministries uh, that people do. Um, and... We've got the, the house out in the foyer there for you to, to be able to take one of those little black cups out of and uh, let more light flow out of that, um, that house. Um, so I encourage you to do that um, either later today or in, in the coming weeks. And I was thinking you could keep that little black cup. You're supposed to put it in a, in a jar, really, and write your name on a, on a sheet to say what you'd like to be involved in. But um, maybe you need to keep that little cup, that little black cup, and put it somewhere where you'll see it all the time. And that will just remind you um, what it is to be leaning into the house, to have a heart for the house. So remembering that much of our reason for being is to witness to other people, all of our, our ministries, you know, mowing the lawn, doing the weeds, cleaning, all of the things, is just so that... Um, that our witness to other people is good so that people will feel good about our church as they, they drive past and they'll, they'll want to come in. Um, they'll see that we take pride in, in our asset and that we prepare for people to come in, that we are expecting people to come in and that we're ready for them. 
So remembering that, what is your witness about your church like? Do we show people our love for God reflected through our love for the church? Do we make church a priority, whether we join online or whether we come in person? Joining with our church family needs to be a priority. I was listening to somebody a couple of weeks ago too and he was talking about that anointing of God which is on the church um, and, and there's that scripture that says that where, where there is unity, God commands his blessing. So when we are unified together, when we're joined together as a church family, there is a blessing that comes. But when we're not, guess what happens? It goes. And he was talking about um, people who talk badly about the church family, who are, you know, gossiping behind people's backs or saying bad things. And that will make the anointing leave. Who wants to be that person? Like, um, let's make sure that our speech about our church family is good, that we are holding each other up. If, even if we don't agree, we can, we can do that in a way that holds one another up. And when we have a heart for the house, when we are leaning into the house, when we're leaning into God with our hearts, that you'll want to join in, you'll want to be a part of things, you'll want to come to the AGM. That probably sounds like a weird statement that you would want to come, but you would want to come because we're going to talk about the family, we're going to talk about the house, we're going to talk about the business of the house and we should want to know about that. It's a bit of a stretch maybe, but you know. So if some of what I've said today resonates with you, then take some time to reflect on your relationship with God. Where is that at now, this year, today? We're talking about serving, we're talking about being used by God. So we're not just talking about filling rosters, we're talking about allowing God to use you for whatever he wants to use you for. I feel like some of us need to do some really deep work in our heart to believe that everything that God wants for us, to believe that he can use us. So take that time. Why not? Why not take the time? Whether we get rosters filled this week, next week or next month is not the priority. Having people uh, do that deep work in their heart is our priority, that your heart is where it needs to be, that you believe all the things that God says about you or at least you're moving towards that. That's the focus for me today. The serving will follow. It just will. But make sure that it does, you know, eventually. Make sure that it does. Another quote for you. When you have nothing left but God, you have more than enough to start over again. Mother Teresa said that. Such an ordinary little woman. I'll get the band to come back up. I don't know if we've got time. I can't even see that. Anyway, um, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, so we're going we're gonna to sing Graves to Gardens again. Um, lots of us are loving that song because it's predictable, right? It's easy to sing. It doesn't do anything weird that we're not expecting it to do. There are other great songs too. I'm just saying that that's easy for us to... We've picked it up really well. But I really want you to notice the words because this song is also leaning into this message today. He turns graves into gardens. He turn, and this is the line for me, you turn bones into armies. So if you're feeling like dry bones this morning, 
let this song minister to you. Take this, maybe it's five minutes, I don't know. Um, but let this song really minister to you. Let, let God turn your dry bones into a person that can be used as part of his army. And there's, there's the line in the maybe chorus or something. You're the only one who can. He is the only one who can do this for you. So allow him to. Let today be a new start. Take some time. Fall in love with God again if you need to so that you can fall in love with church again if you need to. Build your relationship with God so that you can build your relationship with the church and allow his love to transform you. Let's just pray. God, we thank you so much for everything that you are and everything that we don't need to be. God, I pray that you can take these words, that you can help people to search their heart, to find out uh, the things that are broken, the things that are missing. And God, as we take this next five minutes, as we sing this song together, God, minister to us, I pray. Reach into our hearts. Help us, God. Help us to open ourselves up before you. God, we know that you see our failures and you still call us friend. You still call us son. You still call us daughter and you love us so much. So God, as, as we sing this together, God, I pray that you will uh, do a work in us, that you will renew us, that you will minister to us in Jesus' precious name. Amen.